Now tell me if you remember No telling if you remember I'll never forget I'll never forget Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Cause a Scene podcast. I am a little tongue-tied today, and I'm actually happy to have Anna Lee on here, and you'll understand why in just a moment. So, Anna Lee, please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Annalie, and I am the co-creator of The Bias Blog. I'm also a um, writer and pop culture critic and um, code of conduct consultant. Um, I do a lot of work around educating people about diversity and inclusion in geek spaces, including tech and you know science fiction, pop culture conventions, all that kind of stuff. I'm really excited to be here. All right. We're going to start this conversation as we always do. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Um, so that first question is interesting to me. Um, I um, as I work on science fiction conventions, and one of the things that I have going on right now is I just wrote a guideline for my moderators um, for this con-, con that's coming up in January. And I was working off notes that I made last year, and one of the things that I have in my guidelines for moderators is a section that is titled, It is Okay to Cause a Scene. Um, and the explanation under that is that if somebody chooses a conference talk as their venue to make a mess of themselves, they're not doing that by accident, right? They're doing that intentionally in front of a crowd because they are counting on nobody being um, willing to cause the scene by interrupting them and saying, you need to sit down, taking that mic away. So I tell my moderators, like, you're not the one causing the scene if you have to intervene in a situation like that. And that makes me think more broadly about, you know, how we socialize people, oh, don't cause a scene, um, and how that is about reinforcing the status quo in tech and everywhere else, right? Because that scene exists whether you cause it or not, right? If there's something going on that isn't cool and people are telling you not to cause a scene, they're gaslighting you into saying that you're the problem and that you need to pretend that no problem exists because if you are the one that speaks up about it, well, then you're the one that's introducing the problem. But, you know, if somebody's being gross, they're the ones causing the problem. And you're not the one causing the problem by saying, yo, that's gross. What is wrong with you? So specifically, how are you causing a scene? Um, I feel like I don't cause nearly enough scenes, but um, <laughs> um, I do a lot of work on the bias. That The blog post that we were discussing on um, Twitter last week, which is a, a post called um, uh, Good Intent, and how it undermines diversity and inclusion in tech. And it's basically, I had that conversation so many times that I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to write it up as a post. That way the next person tells me, well, but you should assume good intent. I can just hit them with a link and I don't have to do all of the emotional labor of repeating this stuff to them again. Um, And that's how a good two thirds of the posts that I wrote for the bias get started is I'm like, I am tired of having this conversation over and over again. So I'm just going to write up a blog post and put it out there. um, And that way the next Next time, and then it's useful for other people too, right? Because then other people use it in the same way, and then I feel like I'm saving other activists time and energy because then I'm providing something that they can just link instead of having to have that really annoying conversation again and again. Well, I can tell you, I want to say thank you because um, that was a recent post that got a lot of traction in the hashtag Causing Community, and it got traction right when we needed it. <laughs> 
we were in a living, breathing example of why um, give, um, um, extending good intent to people who have yet to prove it and actually have a history of being doing the absolute opposite. Uh, so go ahead, talk. It's just uh, people you I really liked. Let me tell you why I liked it. I liked it on so many levels. I liked it as the leader of the hashtag causes team movement. Cause like you said, this is why mm -hmm. I create videos and why I do the podcast. I'm sick of having the same conversations over and over again. Before you engage me, go do some research, see what I've talked about on this thing. And then we can have a conversation. I'm a college level professor. We're, st we're still mm -hmm. at kindergarten. I'm still, I'm sick of doing right. ABCs. I'm talking about dissertations at this point. And so that was very, the fact that I could just throw that out there and also how you, broke it down how you showed examples how you it was like very you 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 scaffolded very well the educator in me was like yes yes you took them along for a journey and it was like oh we ended up here how the hell did we end up here <laughs> you know yeah i've done a lot of conference safety consulting um and you know when i wrote that example i was like people are not going to believe this example they're gonna be like who who's gonna step on somebody's foot and then throw a hissy fit about the fact that the person got mad but Goodness gracious, people like freak out about the mildest criticism. You know, I had somebody, um, I had somebody once who we were in a program that was really difficult to get into, not just in terms of competitiveness, but in terms of the hoops you had to jump through for the process to get in. Mm -hmm. um, and it was shutting people out. And we were talking about how to improve that. And he stood up and said, I think it's good that it's hard because that way the only people that get here are the ones that really want it to. And I said, it's a fallacy to assume that the only reason somebody would fall off of this is because they don't want to. And he freaked out. He freaked out in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then later he went to our head of people and freaked out at her. And she was like, well, you were displaying unconscious bias and that's why you got corrected. And then, and then he goes, oh, well, in that case, I want to apologize to Annalie. And he arranges this meeting to apologize to me where he spends 20 minutes talking about how bad it felt for me to tell oh, him. Yes! Center! Center! <laughs> In a fallacy. And all I said, I didn't say he was being sexist. I didn't say he was being racist. All I said was that he was engaging in survivorship bias. Like, that's it. That's oh, all I And that's, and this is, it's interesting how much they, how much meaning and feeling they extrapolate right. out of, just words. They're right. fucking words. How right. did you get, how did, what? What? what, what okay. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and the like, and of course this happens to all the time where people are like, and you're just, you were so angry. And I wasn't angry. Mm -hmm. I wasn't mad at all. I was just like, that's a fallacy. Like, <laughs> like it wasn't, I was not, but he freaked out. And you know, that's an example of like the mildest criticisms people will lose their shit about. Yes, and be yeah. like, well, she wasn't assuming good intent in me. And I was like, okay, well, if you say two plus two equals five and somebody's like, I think it's four, buddy. Like they're not, <laughs> They're not saying you were lying about it being five. They're just like, hey, you did your math wrong. <laughs> you know, like, is there, if so this assumption of, and we saw that last week when this guy, I honestly can't remember how to pronounce his name. Yeah, um, it's John. Just John, say John, yeah. whatever his so, last name is. <laughs> John, John the guy. <laughs> 
John, fuck that guy. But if people were saying, oh, we should extend him good and like, we should assume good intent. How do you assume good intent in somebody telling a black woman, shut your mouth? Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. no, there's calling no folks, possibility. Calling folks idiots, calling all yeah. this stuff. And then when he wraps it up, says, does a tweet like, this is how you do it, folks. This right. is how you troll them. And when he finally realized for the first time, oh my God, this is why I was so encouraged and so happy last week. Because for the first time in real time, the hashtag causes in community got to see somebody having to deal with the consequences of their behavior. Yeah. And like, but that is an example, because I talk about in the article about how we extend good intent automatically mm-hmm. to, certain, to people certain people and not others. Right. <laughs> and he was out here behaving like this and people were still saying, Oh, well, is he okay? Maybe he's sick and all this stuff. And like, honestly, all right, maybe he did have a breakdown and like, I want to be respectful, but like so many times we get the situation where the only time anybody gives a shit about mental illness is when they can use it to forgive a yes. white man for mm-hmm. acting a complete asshole, right? Because when somebody actually has a breakdown, okay, yeah, that happens, but it's very rare. And it's usually not in like, it doesn't look like that, yes. right? Like, so like you can be respectful of people that have mental illness while still not being like, well, oh, everybody who's an asshole must just be mentally ill. Like that's not what was happening there. Like you get up on purpose and you say that shit in public where you know everybody can hear you and then you brag about it. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no possible miscommunication there. And yet people were still like, oh, well, we should assume good intent. Why? What good intent is there? Could there possibly be of that? Like, and that why? goes back to whiteness's need to equate feelings with impact. Right. With actual harm. It is your feelings are are a 10 and my actual harm is a 10. And it's like, no, we're not playing that game. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah. Don't equal. And this is why I tell to, to me to, um, when people talk about equality, I'm not looking for equity in this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah. There is no way we're going to have equity without discriminating, strategically discriminating against some of the policies and, 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 and systems that promote white supremacy. That is just the bottom line. And, and it's really interesting about the, because I, I guess the reason I can say I really l- loved your post because it came, somebody tweeted it as a response to something, but I have been saying for the past few months, because I've been seeing it increase increasingly in this space where people are going to conference talks and people are consulting about empathy and compassion and, and assuming gr- good intent and, benefit of the doubt and I keep pushing back and they're looking at me like that's just wrong why are you I'm like and I'm like mm, this yeah. only goes to certain people this only is yeah. certain people if I I'm not even gonna talk about the damn the strap the, the the stepping on the foot mm-hmm. you knew how and I say this example over and over again, and people don't, how much energy, emotional labor it takes for a black woman to construct an email to send to white people. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Obviously, I do not know firsthand, but I can imagine. And <clears throat> because we know that whatever words we use, it will flag its feelings. Mm-hmm. And so whatever impact we were trying to make or or, or, or or conversation we were trying to have, the words don't matter at this point. Mm-hmm. It's how the person internalized the words that are in the email and, yeah. and they trigger your feelings. And so now we're talking about your feelings and you've distracted away from whatever it was yeah. that I had a valid point about. And then we have to have that conversation first because God yes. forbid somebody handle their own feelings. Oh, right? I tell them all the time. You, I, I am no longer responsible for the feelings of white people. You need to get therapy. 
That's right. just, I, I'm, 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 I'm calling this shit out. Um, there was a recent incident in the community with one member of the community where uh, a, a young man, it was basically started stalking her, um, talking about how um, he, much he loved her. And he then used um, being on the spectrum as a reason and says, oh, I've done this before. No, you don't get a pad. This is no, nope. please. Yeah. Please. And that's, that's not okay. And, you know, like I get that a lot because I'm doing code of conduct stuff and people will say, well, what about autistic people? Well, first of all, autistic people benefit from clear rules. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> autistic people who are, who are involved in code of conduct stuff will say this all the time. Like the, their problem is unwritten rules. If you make a clear set of yes. rules, that makes it much easier for them to figure out how, how they can interact. And then the other side oh. of that, they're so much more likely to be the victims of this yes. behavior because they're easier to target. And so when you're like, well, what about autistic people? You're empathizing with a fictional perpetrator instead of with real reality reality exactly right yes you know oh you made that's a great point that you made it's like you have this idea of this thing in your head and you make that it's like watching soap operas people who get i love watching soap operas because they're a great distraction from the shit i have to deal with on an everyday (laughs) basis but i understand that these are characters playing a role right but there are people who would get in arguments about characters on a show Mm -hmm. right and doesn't have to be so far. It could be any show. They would get mm-hmm. in arguments over characters on the show and, and will not stand up for what they see every day happening to people. Yeah. And, you know, I come up in the fandom community and so I've seen a lot of that. And sometimes it's a proxy for, for stuff that is going on in the real world. Um, you know, people will be talking about these relationships. Like there's this whole thing going on in Star Wars right now about the Raylo ship and whether uh, Kylo is an abusive asshole. He is. Um, but like people are like shipping that. And so a lot of the arguments about that are like, hey, you realize that in shipping this, like you're promoting like really damaging stereotypes of what love's lo- love looks like. And that's it's like the reason people are pushing back on this is because they've dated people like Kylo. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're trying to spoil your fun. Um, but yeah, you know, so so you get you get people that don't pay attention to what's going on in the world. And then as soon as a discussion comes up about it, it's an intellectual exercise for them. Mm. So then they want to look at exceptions and they want to talk about, well, what if somebody's autistic or what if these very specific conditions are met? And it's like, you know what? I've been doing conference safety code of conduct stuff for years now, whatever weird situation you can think of, I've seen. And you know what? The rules still apply. And the only time the rules don't apply is when somebody thinks that they don't apply to them. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been expected to know this. It's like, well, dude, we fucking wrote it down. Right. And you know, if you had peed in the middle of the like conference hall and we'd kicked you out, nobody would have cared if you'd been like, well, I didn't know that I wasn't expected to do that because Mm -hmm. you're expected to understand the rules. Mm -hmm. Like you read those before Mm -hmm. you get there. It's just how it goes. Um, but this like good intent, like people always want to put good intent and in in their uh, codes of conduct. And I always try to push back on that because a a negative, a, a positive rule is still a rule, right? Like if you say, everybody has to be at sessions at 10 a.m., then you're setting a rule that people have to be on yep. time. Even and, though the you're people who, and the people who, and the people who aren't there, people, then everybody starts looking at them. There's a, right. there's a whole nother thing that happens when people right. show up late and everything else. Right. Yes. And those people are breaking the rules. Now, mm-hmm. whatever the enforcement for being late is, is what it is, but yeah. you put it, that's a positive rule. You have to be here on time. It's not, don't be late. It's be here on time, but it still creates that rule that you can't be late. Right. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of assume good intent. People want it to be like a positive thing of like promoting community, but what it does is it puts the question of blame front and center. 
because then every time there's an incident, you have to stop and be like, okay, well, did you assume good intent in this person? And is this person like, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to deal with that question before, before you, you deal with whatever the hell actually happened. Mm-hmm. And if you actually want to assume good intent in your conference mm-hmm. attendees, then you should assume that they should be willing to accept correction. Mm-hmm. So the one time I was in a group where we, I couldn't get, we assume good intent out of the thing. So I modified it as we assume good intent in everyone, which means that we assume when a marginalized person gives us feedback about our behavior, that that is coming from a constructive place mm-hmm. instead of being like, well, we assume good intent. So if you say something racist, people are just going to be like assuring you that you're not really racist because it doesn't matter. Who cares? If you were trying to be racist, you were racist. Just apologize and move the fuck on with your life. Like and and so this we, I'm so happy you're, we're having this conversation because what you're you're talking about is the the micro and people don't want to talk about the macro of this mm-hmm. and the macro of this is who gets to define what good is right the exactly people in power who gets right. to, that's what I don't I don't people talk about nice and that, mm-hmm. nope who gets to define fair the people in power so uh, at when you start out the gate again this is not about equality with something like that. Mm-hmm. Assume, let's, let's break that down. Assume good intent. So those are the words. If we're looking at it from, from a perspective of, as we know, um, marginalized individual, individuals are not having the same. For that's another thing. People keep fighting us, that, assuming that we are having the same lived experience. So if we look through the lens of white supremacy, privilege, and who has power, assume good intent just those three words, who, who gets to define the assumption, mm-hmm. who gets to define the, the good, and mm-hmm. who gets to define intent. And yeah. that, that, just the three words just tell you that there's an imbalance in power right there. Right. And, you know, <laughs> talking about lived experience is another really good example of a place where people that assume good intent don't, right? Because when a marginalized person tells you how something felt for them, like even just at the micro level, they're not telling you their whole life story. Yep. They're telling you, this happened to me 10 minutes ago and I'm really upset by it, mm-hmm. right? Do we assume good intent in them and assume that they're upset is valid, that they're hurt and that that they're, you know, being a human being? No, we assume that they're causing problems and that they're not assuming good intent exactly. in whoever did it, that they're feeling their internal feeling about what happened to them is a violation of the rules because if they assumed good intent, then they wouldn't feel bad about what happened to them. And but let's but let's switch that because, oh, my God, you just spoke to that because it, it's it's this is a literally a black and white issue of what right. the problem is because the marginalized person, you don't assume good intent and you don't validate their feelings, but the white person is always assumed good intent and always the feelings come first. Right. Exactly. And that's like, that's a lot of, a lot of it. Why I try to keep that out of codes of conduct is because a code of conduct that is working properly is not a conflict. It's not a conflict negotiation document. Yes. It's not mm-hmm. about solving a problem between equal parties that are having a disagreement. All right. These are adults. If two people are just having a normal disagreement at a conference, they can fucking stay away from each other. <laughs> yes. Right. Like if it's just that they like different baseball teams, mm-hmm. they can just fucking avoid each other or talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. Or get the fuck out. If you're right. calling to disturb us. Right. If they can't, if they can't be civil to each other and we'll get back to civility in a bit, but like oh. <laughs> to each other about something that is actually where they're actually on equal footing, then they can fucking ignore each other. Like this mm-hmm. is not a kindergarten classroom, mm-hmm. but 
where a code of conduct is supposed to help you is where you have systemic issues. And if you are not treating it as a document to help you address systemic inequality in your community, you're fucking doing it wrong. Yes. Thank you. Trying to address systemic inequality by treating it as individual conflicts between peers. You're fucking Fucking doing doing it wrong. wrong. Yes. That's the other one I was trying to get out of codes of conduct. People are like, oh, well, we should have like a mediation thing in there. I'm like, no, first of all, you don't have trained mediators. Second of all, (laughs) second of all, like I've done this Okay, go ahead, finish because you just hit something. I'm like, I am a trained mediator. I mean, not like a lawyer trained mediator, but like, first of all, you don't have trained mediators. Second of all, you don't mediate somebody being racist. You don't mediate somebody getting groped at the bar. You don't mediate this shit. You tell whoever was causing the problem to make it right or get the fuck out. And sometimes the only way to make it right is to get get the the fuck fuck out. out. Oh my God. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. You don't mediate this shit. You tell whoever was causing the problem to make it right or get the fuck out. And yes. sometimes the only way to make it right is to, is get-, to get the fuck out. Oh my God. Right. So so this is a so this is what I'm gonna oh I've been saying I was gonna do this in a in a talk. So um so I'm gonna be on the stage and I'm gonna say, hey, I am you are a person who's new to this community and you've never, first of all, raise your hand if you like sports. Okay. Most people like sports. I wouldn't raise my hand, but most people like sports. So, so, so let's say you're new to this environment and you've seen this thing called football, right? And um, you're, you like the way that thing looks and you want to be a part of the community. So you want to learn this thing called football. You have two options. You eat, there, there are two people who are there who can help you, <clears throat> two types of people. There are people who've actually played the game, and then there are people who've only watched the game. If you want to learn how to play this game effectively, who would you choose? Most people will say the people who play the game. All right. So then that right there knocks out most white folks. <laughs> So if we're talking about race here, that's just going to knock out most white folks because you don't have the lived experience. Everything you learn about racism, oppression, most oppressions, you've learned from somebody else. All right. Right. So I mean, if we're being honest, that's also true about literally football if you're looking for the best (laughs) players. Um, Exactly. So now you're playing football, but you want to know more strategic. You want to know how the game actually works. You want to know how the the back end works, how the offices work. So now you have to, are you going to choose the person who's only been on the field or are you going to choose a person who's been on the field plus also worked in the back office, coached, that kind of thing? Hmm. So if you want to know that stuff, that's the, you want the person with the lived experience of all that, you're going to go with the person who has that. Yeah. That knocks that right there knocks out when we're talking about white feminism. That knocks out white folks, white women from there because um, you don't have that intersectionality. And right. so when I when I place it like that, it's starting to people to think because I'm, I'm bringing this up because we continue to get um, show me data, show me what this is wrong, how I'm wrong. We're telling you it's my lived experience, and right. yet 
white person can come in and reiterate the same damn thing I said or sell this, share the same um, uh, resource I share, and then they'll get a thank you for that because she wasn't nice or she did it. And I'm like, you had a tone of voice I didn't like. And it's like, how you, it was Twitter. What the fuck tone of voice are you talking about? Like, well, I know I can be, I, I, I intentionally put tone in there. Um, yeah. And so when I responded to Mr. Charles, whatever the fuck his name is, I did all caps, even though I, because that was my go to, because there is no bold. There's- yeah. <laughs> so, but I had stopped doing that because someone told me that people with dyslexia have issues and 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 um and uh, screen readers have issues. But I wanted to make sure everybody knew mm-hmm. what my intention was when I res- uh, quote um comment read uh, tweeted his message. Yeah. And it's this: until we respect, and you just said that until we respect the lived experiences of the people who are impacted, we're going to continue to have a problem. Right. Right. And that guy, that's another thing is we were just talking about civility a little bit ago. Like people don't get, and this is, and it's completely disingenuous because within white society, like the, the idea of cutting somebody to their core, like cursing the next seven generations of their family without raising your voice, everybody fucking understands that. But then as soon as we get into a conversation about any of these difficult subjects, it's suddenly like, well, I'm being civil. And what they mean is I didn't raise my voice. And it's like, come the fuck on. Like, you know exactly what you're doing. You're not, you don't, you're not being sneaky and you're not like, oh, not understanding that you're being fucking rude. Mm -hmm, When you mm -hmm. say, well, why don't you come and debate this person? This is the same as like, let's just mediate this conversation. I'm sure it's just a disagreement between peers. Now we have one person intentionally being a racist asshole and then getting on Twitter and saying, hi, I'm a racist asshole because this is the only way to deal with social justice warriors. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody (laughs) being like, hey, stop being a racist asshole. These are not equivalent, right? And the fact, like, even if one, but she wasn't even being polite, but even if one person is is supposedly being civil and saying, well, I'm not going to use any cuss words or all caps. I just think that we should have a discussion about whether women are actually good at programmers. And then a woman comes and says, how about go fuck yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, sure. She's cussing, but he's not being polite. Like, <laughs> like but it, it, again, it goes to who gets to define the terms, right? Who exactly. gets to define, who gets to say that cursing is bad? Who gets to say that all, um, all, um, caps is wrong. Who gets to say that that is the people, the people in power. And it also goes to, and I say this all the time, and this is why I have the shirt. Fuck civility. Mm-hmm. Civility is optional for white people. It is the expected behavior of marginalized groups because it helps you us manage ourselves so that we are not a problem. And right. so this is why we sit back and spend forever drafting an email. This is why mm-hmm. we have to have, if you're even our subordinate and we're your manager, we have to spend all fucking night thinking about how we're going to say whatever feedback we have to say because you're going to take the tone of it. Um, this is why you take up space when we're on flights and walking down the street and I'm like, fuck you, I'm running into your ass. This is why, um, this is what civility is. White right. people can decide when to um, um, push the civility button when they want something, mm-hmm. when it benefits yeah. them. But black, brown, uh, marginalized people, we're expected to be civil at all times because we need to make everybody else comfortable while it makes us. And this is the part that got me because it makes me uncomfortable. So right. no one gives a shit about my comfort. I just need to right. make everybody else comfortable. Right. And your feelings, like if you even show your feelings, even if you're not saying I'm angry, mm-hmm. if anybody detects that you yes. are angry, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, this also, this comes up with crying too, because, you know, we talk about how, you know, with, with white women, it impacts yeah. us a little differently. Right. In that we still get that, like, oh, you're not being civil, but only when we're talking to white men, mm-hmm. right? as soon as we're talking to anybody else, then suddenly that, that privilege comes into play. Mm-hmm. And when a white woman is crying about anything that a black the fucking person, world stops. Right. But <laughs> when a black woman is crying, it's because she's angry. Mm-hmm. She's upset. Like, and it's, mm-hmm. it, that is, that is aggressive. Like mm-hmm. a black woman's tears mm-hmm. are seen as aggressive and a white woman's tears are seen as genuine. Mm-hmm. And that is so fucked up, but it's a perfect example of what you're talking about in terms of like, it doesn't even just cover stability. It covers like everything about how we interact with each mm-hmm. other. Like that's an mm-hmm. autonom- autonomic response. Yes. I mean, I know there's some people that can, can cry on command, but I sure as fuck can. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And like, and it, and it speaks to why I say whiteness is always cast in the role of hero or victim, mm-hmm. and and black people are always, or anybody else is the is the villain. It's never the villain. So when we go back to this John situation, although you and I know he was the villain, he can't stay a villain because that's not the role. He has to be either cast in victim um victim or hero so if charles comes in to make him a a a, a, a victim but also a hero because he was coming in to save amy mm-hmm. yeah so you, you see all of this like play out in front of my eyes and i'm like oh shit this is an interesting experiment right here mm-hmm. this is social science right in front of my face yeah. And I didn't even see what Amy said because she deleted her tweets. Yes. And that's but, why we always screenshot them because she's yeah. done this shit before. Okay. Because I didn't even, I had never heard of her, but you know, <laughs> I've, I've also seen cases and I don't say that like sarcastically, like I honestly had just never heard of her. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, we, we also see this situation come up too, where it's like, okay, somebody makes, somebody does something and then you get this situation, you know, we get these accusations of white knighting of like white guys coming in to protect marginalized people. But it's, it seems to me like it's always happening on the other side where somebody does something and you're having a conversation about it. And then some dude has to come in and be like, whoa, stop fighting ladies. Let me solve this for you. And it's like, you were not required. Yeah, well, so she's done this before. So I'm going to read you her tweet. It says, okay. um, it was from, um, October 19th, it says, grateful I didn't start my programming journey in 2019. Um, all these people pissed off cursing, cussing, and looking to start arguments in the name of empathy and diversity. You're literally scaring people from wanting to enter the industry by your behavior. Okay, so again, this is an example about whose empathy counts and who, because... Okay, now I'm going to stop you there because this is not the first time she's done that and deleted. So let me, uh, um, uh, exactly a month before, September 19th, she posted super unpopular uh, um, opinion. As a woman in tech, I've benefited far more than I've been discriminated against. More gratefulness, less hatefulness, please. Oh God, I think I did see that one and I had just forgotten about it. But like, this is a perfect example of what we're talking about, right? Because, you know, she's saying you're literally scaring people away from the industry. Um, I used to be part of the Geek Feminism blog where we maintained a list of incidents in tech. And it was things like just long lists of racist and sexist behavior. And I'm sorry, you're worried about us scaring people away from the industry by saying, don't be a fucking racist. Like where the fuck were you when people were getting scared away from the industry because they were getting groped at industry conferences, which PS is still happening. Where the fuck were you talking about you're scaring people away from the industry when people are refusing to hire somebody just because they're black, which is still happening, right? 
like all of this crap about like, oh, you might hurt my feelings by cussing at me on Twitter. Okay, quantify that in dollars because we can quantify in dollars <laughs> the cost yes. of being black in tech. We can quantify yes. in dollars the cost of being female in tech. We can quantify that. We can say this is exactly what it costs you. And we can and we can quantify in tech what it what it's like to be um, a transgender individual in right. tech. Um, right. ex- or disabled and this is, or anything exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. And this is the shit that, and this is what they, and so she does that. She gets her, her ass handed to her and then she deletes the original tweet and comes back mm-hmm. with an, this, this obscure apology that has no context. So right. then the Johns of the world now, because they don't take the time, because why would we? She's, she's doe-eyed. She's innocent. She's the whites, you know, and white women literally breed white supremacy. So she is doing her job for white supremacy. And so they come in and protect her and they don't have context. They don't care to have context. Right. It wouldn't even matter if they did. They would yes. still assume good intent. Yes. Right. And, you know, you get that situation and it's like you you could just not get into that conversation. You know what was talking to you. <laughs> right. You can just. And th- this is something that I talk about probably way more than I should on Twitter in terms of like. I, people think of me as argumentative and this gets back to like causing a scene. I avoid arguing with people on Twitter. I really do because it's usually not productive and it's a lot of emotional energy. Like it physically upsets me and I don't want to do it. So if I just see something that I disagree with, I am probably going to let it scroll on by. Like I might reference it. I might say, Hey, I saw somebody say something paraphrase. And this is why I disagree with it where I'm talking to my own followers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to involve them in that conversation. Like if it's a friend of mine, sure. You know, we might have that conversation, but if it's just some random person, I don't want to get into a fight with them. So I'm probably just going to let it scroll on by and then have my own conversation with my own followers Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. this is the point that I think this person was trying to make. I didn't, agree with that. And here's why, like, I don't feel the need to go in and pick a fight with people, but then people will come into my mentions and pick a fight with me. That's it. They always come to us. They'll come and pick a fight with you. And then, and then they're always, then they get, you get the situation where they're like, well, I don't, I don't know why you're so upset about this. And I'm like, I'm not the one, I'm not the one in your mentions. All you have to do is stop replying to me and this conversation ends, but I have to see your shit in my feed. Like, just stop. Like you started this. Or when I, or when I tell them to fuck off, you don't have to be, bitch, you came to my mention. I didn't right. go to you. Exactly. I mean, you and but, and I, I tell people like they'll, they'll get in my mentions and be like, well, I don't understand this. And like, sometimes I'll just be like, well, here's the resources where I'll say like, okay, well, you need somebody to explain that to you, but I'm not going to do it right now. And people get so mad about yes. that. Oh, yes. Say it. Yes. How do you expect me to learn if you won't? What the fuck? What? Well, what? you clearly have a keyboard because you're using it or you have some kind of software with which to get, <laughs> to dictate words to your computer. So why don't you go to Google.com instead of Twitter.com and figure yourself out? Like, it's not that hard. And we also get that, like, I have these articles on the bias where I will literally link to the fucking article. Yes. Mm-hmm. I be do like, it all well, the time. here's the background yep. reading. Yep. And people will still be like, well, I can't read all that. And I'm like, yep. well, I'm not going to fucking explain 2000 words to you tweet by tweet like you can fucking read it there well well, so today yesterday's episode of the how to be an anti-racist was a strategy because i um i see how that's failing us um (laughs) and i and i and i broke it down um to understand so i came up with a strategy of evaluate first engage Mm -hmm. and then evolve Mm -hmm. because we need to evaluate um and i've been doing this but i hadn't put a name to it because i've said before i only engage with people usually um not only 
the majority of the time, the people I, I'm engaging with are in, in tech spaces. I'm a black woman. I'm not trying to argue with a, a white nationalist. I'm not trying, I'm not right. trying to target for this shit. So, and I rarely, rarely um, direct, um, speak directly to them. I uh, comment, retweet, because it's not for me. It's for the community. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's something that I've, uh, I've seen. Um, what I saw this past week, though, was how often people in my community don't take the time to read what's already been shared. And so they're talking over more marginalized voices. Um, and also they're wasting time with people um, who, uh, and I, I, I define it in that episode, because in that episode we're talking about segregationists, we're talking about uh, assimilationists and anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And so I really break down what the a segregationist in tech looks like, what those conversations look like. That's not a conversation you fully need to engage in because that, yeah. that is, those are the ones that get you the dog chasing your tail, running around in right. circles. Because they have, they have absolutely no intention of changing. Right. They're, they're, just, they're just, just wearing you down. Yeah, and, and if you ever go to the, like, the shitholes of the internet, like the 4chans and 8chans mm-hmm. and whatever, they talk about this as an intentional strategy. Oh, we'll try yes. to get them to give you Thank resources you. and then yes. debate those resources. I don't want to tell people how to spend their time on Twitter, but I really strongly encourage no, I am. I am. <laughs> not to engage with that shit because yes. they're wasting your time on purpose. Yes. And I'll, I'll, you know, just look at it like that. That's a deliberate tactic to waste your time on purpose. If they actually, actually have good intent and want to educate themselves, they will figure that shit out. And like, so that's why I did yesterday's video. I mean, um, um, yeah. podcast, because I saw that in real time mm-hmm. in that conversation, because that conversation went on for five days. So you got to see. Yeah. The, and it was, you know, you get to see the whole range of. Yes. Just yes. And I learned all of these so strategies. Much. Yes. Yeah. I learned because I knew Fortran and they were doing that, but I hadn't translated into how to engage this. Yeah. Because moving forward, for me, it is about how to the create a um, anti-racist tech agenda. Mm-hmm. And so how do I educate and train people in their various communities on how to do this in an effective way that does not not only um, doesn't waste their time, but they're not negatively causing harm people who they're trying to advocate for because that's what normally happens. Right. And, you know, you we're talking about assuming good intent in terms of like people asking for education, right? People that actually have good intent are going to go and figure out how to educate themselves because even somebody that really thinks that their intent is good and really wants to learn, right? They're coming into that conversation assuming that teaching them is the best use of your time. Right. And there's an inherent arrogance in that. Mm-hmm. Right. Even if they honestly don't mean anything by it, mm-hmm. there is an inherent arrogance in them assuming, because especially when they come back with, well, I just don't understand how I'm going to learn if nobody's willing to talk mm-hmm. to me about this. Mm-hmm. They're assuming that teaching them should be your primary goal, which mm-hmm. is again centering themselves in yes. that conversation and saying that. It's setting themselves up as sort of a judge of saying, well, if you can convince me, yes. then this is true and I will help you. It's and like, that's what the Charles dude tried to do with his po- the podcast. Right. Well, that's how he tried to position that shit until people started doing. Um, and this is the thing I say, when given enough time and enough pressure, the white, the white supremacy shit comes out. Because mm-hmm. after when I went to sleep that morning and came back, we saw people who've been on podcasts with him saying they had this conversation with him years ago. You, somebody showed a picture of him at what he called visiting the 
new White House, which was a t- tower in New York with a mega hat on. Mm-hmm. All this shit comes out. So it's like, you need to do your research. This is why you have to evaluate before you yeah. engage. Because, right, that guy might have been civil, quote unquote, in his tweet, but he was never planning to actually have a dialogue. Exactly. Right? He mm-hmm. just wanted you on his show so that he could make fun of you to his audience. And like, then he's going to come around and say, well, if you're not going to be civil, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. She's what? just angry. And like that's that. and that's how he positioned it. Well, I knew you were going to uh, respond that way. I knew you knew I was going to respond that way. Right. That's why this is not, this is why this message is not for you. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I do try to encourage people also to call out the like, do you realize the arrogance of assuming that talk engaging with you in any way is the best use? Yes, exactly. Right? Because <laughs> that diffuses that. Well, I knew you were too chicken to talk to me. It's like it has nothing to do with chicken. Mm-hmm. Like you think Bruce Lee fought every asshole that was like, <laughs> I want to let's, let's get to a fight. He'd have been like, fuck, no, I got places to be right. I've got I'm trying to go eat lunch with my daughter. I'm trying to live my life. I do not mm-hmm. have time. Like, even if it's only going to take me 10 seconds to kick your ass, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Right? I'm going to fuck up my suit. Damn. Right. I'm going exactly. You got to take off busy. my shoes. <laughs> People are busy. We have shit to do. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't have to smear shit on my shoe just to prove that I can get it back off. I'm going to step around it. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently, this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. We have shit to do, and like, I don't have to smear shit on my shoe just to prove that I can get it back off. And I don't, you don't get this, you you don't have to, and you will not be centered in my life. And that's what whiteness is used to. Right. Everybody defaulting and centering it. And mm-hmm. this is where a lot of the ink, when the people are talking about economic anxiety, that's bullshit. This is where the anxiety is coming from. It is no longer the center and it does not have the skills like other marginalized individuals of how to navigate this stuff. It has no resiliency because it's not been challenged in these ways. So it is just like lost. Like what the hell is going on? And so everything Hell, we get slights every day. Every day we are uncomfortable, but we sit back and we're like, we can assess quickly. 
Yeah. Is this a discomfort that's going to cause me harm or is this just some bullshit discomfort? Do I want to engage with it? You know, we have all that things running in our head yeah. and we make a decision. Whiteness doesn't have that. Yeah. And so th- this is what baffles me about white feminism, capital W, capital F, white feminism is like, you know, I didn't grow up knowing uh, like I people on the podcast can't see me, but I'm pretty sure they figured out by now that I'm pretty freaking white. Um, I didn't grow up understanding racial justice in America. You know, I went to the kind of school where MLK Day and, and Black History Month was about how judging people by the color of their skin is wrong instead of, hey, white supremacy is fucked up. Like, <laughs> right. I grew up with all of that. But when I got into college, and like actually looked at it, I was like looking at the parallels between that and, and the way that toxic masculinity behaves. And it was, that's where I was like, oh, these things are actually like, it's not the same impact, but the mechanism of action is very similar. And I was like, okay, the way that somebody is talking to me about their experience, you know, with racism in America, like I want to react the same way that I would want a white man to react to me when I'm talking about sexism. But you get these people that totally get the one and then their brain just falls out of their head when it comes to the other. They just cannot. Well, it's the thing of, well, it's the thing of, and I talk about this often when you come into these spaces, it's, um, it's the space of the agenda is to only focus on those things we have in common. Anything else is not, is not, is not the thing right now. So Mm -hmm. it's like, let's work on gender parity issues and we'll get to everything else later. Well, that has shown over the more than a hundred years that does not work because that is rooted in white supremacy, which Mm -hmm. means that only white women are benefiting because you only have the gender thing to deal with. Right. So there was a, there was a creative writing class that I took that I really loved and it, it, uh, helped me make my first professional fiction sale. And a little later down the road, I had some extra cash on hand and that writing workshop was going up again. And so I contacted the person that ran it and I was like, look, I want to sponsor a seat for a woman of color specifically. Um, and so she put it up. She was like, Hey, we've got a free seat for a woman of color. People got so fucking mad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They got so fucking mad. And I had to go in there because they were blaming her. And I had to go in there and be like, yo, I'm the one that mm-hmm. is sponsoring this seat. Don't blame her. I'm the one that said that it was only for a woman of color. And it was white women that were getting yep. mad and being mm-hmm. like, well, I don't have the economic resources mm-hmm. either, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, there's two things there. First of all, <laughs> if you only focus on gender, we've seen exactly what you said, that white women always go to the front of the line. And so when you say that black women don't have a greater need, so they shouldn't get priority, what you're saying is that they should go to the back of the line. And so in this one specific instance, this one class, they get to come to the front of the line and fucking deal with it. Like it's first. And, of- and it's so funny because they don't, they don't even realize that they're demonstrating what you're saying. Right. They're, t- they're right. teaching the lesson that you're saying. And it goes back to, this brings us back to the full circle of, this is about strategically discriminating right. against the power. I mean, yes, you're going to, it's not, and it's not even about you losing anything mm-hmm. because you didn't have it. So right. it's like, it wasn't just, your class. It's not like yes. somebody took that seat away from you. Yes. Like you can pay for it and attend the class yourself. Yes. It's just, nobody's giving you that free seat. Because yes. then the other side of it was that, that I was trying to explain that I'm concerned, which is difficult when you're talking about things like scholarships, um, because that has a very individual impact. Right. But I'm concerned about the larger community impact of that. Right. Cause yes, there are economically disadvantaged white folks getting more economically disadvantaged white folks into the science fiction community does not actually increase the diversity of the science exactly. fiction community because there are a lot of already economically disadvantaged or formerly economically disadvantaged white folks already there. But getting 
people of color in the door. And honestly, giving that scholarship isn't about assuming the people of color are broke. It's mm-hmm. about saying, look, to enter this space, you're going to have to do a whole fuck ton of emotional yes. labor. You're coming into a space that isn't for you. And asking you to pay to do that is an additional barrier of entry. Yes! Look, you can just, you can have this free pass. You can go to this class. We'll pay for your badge to this con. That's not about saying, well, we don't think you can afford it. That's about saying you're already paying your fucking yes. dues. You're just exactly. making money. Exactly. You've all, we've already out the house been told growing up that we have to give 110%. We have to, we're already doing the hard work. This is what people don't get about fucking affirmative action. It's not like to even be a considered for affirmative. Do you know how much goddamn work we had to do to even get to the, to the consideration and how mediocre whiteness is? And, and when we come in, it's not like we're like, oh, we got it. We have to sit on it. No, we have to work our ass off just to stay in the space. Right. And, you know, I see that, too, because people are talking about I was in a I was in a job where we weren't allowed to do any kind of affirmative action, but we could do outreach. So we were trying to improve our outreach to try to, you know, treating a pipeline problem. It's not a fucking pipeline problem. Exactly. That was the only lever we could push. And even then people were saying, like, well, I don't want to lower the bar. And I'm like. Do you hear yourself? Because when you're saying you only want to consider white candidates, you're instantly lowering the fucking bar because you're saying that you don't care how qualified somebody is if they don't meet this particular criteria you've already set up in your head, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, that's, come on, that's not what lowering the bar looks like. If you're actually worried about lowering the bar, then you would be all about, first of all, affirmative action just straight out, but also about any kind of diversity and inclusion effort because that's what raises the bar. But you know, that guy that I was talking about earlier that freaked out because I said he was engaging in survivorship bias. Well, he's really litigious, so I should watch what I say about him. I'm just going to make a more generic <laughs> yes, statement. Yes, yes, do that. You know, there there was a study about Oh, the stop guys. right there, though. Stop right there. Okay. The fact that you said that, I'm not fucking surprised because how often uh, these, I, I have business clients and these aren't my business clients, but you hear it all the time why we have these whisper networks and all that. They may not, they don't have job descriptions. They don't have shit in place for a business, but they have an NDA. Yeah. These folks know how to use the law against Mm -hmm. these things, but they don't have shit else. Yeah, they've got nothing, and yet they've got that. But yeah, so there was a study looking specifically at the video game world about the harassment and abuse that women face online playing online games. And what they discovered was that the biggest vectors for that abuse, the harassment, the like, the the shouting racial slurs, shouting like calling people bitches and cunts and all that crap on um on audio for like these Fortnite games, these online, these massive online games, it was the the male players who score the lowest because those are the ones that feel threatened by other people entering the space. Because if they lose to a woman, then it's a threat to their masculinity. So those are the ones shouting all this vitriol. The ones that are at the top of the charts, they're just playing the fucking game. Now I'm not gonna say that nobody at the top of the charts is an asshole because I'm sure there are, but as an overall pattern- And this this speaks to what I keep talking about. It is black excellence against mediocre whiteness. That's what it is. Right. Because if you're already living your life and doing really well, like imposter syndrome is a whole other thing, but you are not going to feel threatened specifically by people of color, by women, by disabled people, by any other marginalized group. When you actually know that you're succeeding on your own merits, you're not going to worry about that. It's when you are insecure about your stuff because maybe it isn't that good. That's when you see the Mm -hmm. people that are really freaking out about other people coming in, which again, I don't want to say like, there's nobody that's like at the top of their field. Who's not a racist asshole. Oh no, you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the, but the, but what I'm seeing 
in the work is exactly what you're saying. And this is the thing I keep, and that's why I keep saying when they come after me, I'm like, <laughs> yet another mediocre white dude right. in tech. And they get so pissed off mm-hmm. because it knocks them down a peg. It lets, it's like, uh, you're not, and I tell them, you're not my equal. Right. Why the fuck am I going to have a conversation right. with you? You have not earned you. I do not owe you an audience. You are not at my same level. You're not as intelligent as I am. You're not as creative as I am. You are not as nothing you are just you've gotten by because you're a white dude and and when they start to think that that's when they get really angry yeah and honestly like if they want to have that conversation they can go and do the work like they're especially when they're asking you about racism or asking you about sexism or any of this other stuff like the resources are out there they can go and fucking educate themselves and then come back with a dissertation level question instead of asking you this one-on-one bullshit thank you Thank you. That's my point. It's like, I don't, I, can we have a real, yeah. can we get past the bullshit? People are like, are you an inclusion and diversity um, expert? No, the fuck I'm not. I'm a business strategist, but we yeah. can't get past yeah. this shit. We can't get past the big ba- inclusion and diversity should be the foundation of which you yeah. build a company period. But we can't get there. <laughs> yeah. And that's, a, that's why I do a lot of the, the very entry level conversations on the bias is because I'm like, all right, you complain that there aren't any of these resources. Here are the fucking resources. And, you know, I want those available to mm-hmm. other activists so that they can then link them out because they don't want to have those conversations over again. Yes. But, you know, I want us to be able to be like, all right, you want to do the background reading? Here's the fucking background reading. Now we're going to have this other conversation yes. mm-hmm. and you can catch up when you've done the background reading. But we're not- Oh my God. I have a shitload of damn resources yeah. that I just throw at that. Yes. I just throw, start a whole damn thread. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's like, and if you actually, if you actually have good intent, if you actually are trying to educate yourself, you're gonna do the work to go and find those resources. And when somebody hands you a link, you're gonna thank them, and then you're gonna fucking read. It. That's it, right? and that's where people fuck up because you have people who keep engaging with these people. I know the people who are really genuine because when you throw something at them, a link or whatever, they're like, "Thank you," and then they go off and read. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you give them a. Sh- I'm that's time. As they say it, can, can you give me more? I'm no. like, yep. This, yeah, this it's is not like, what, you're not here for here. You're, you're not, not here, here for learning. You're here for tutoring, yes. and it's like, okay, well, well, uh, and trolling, right? You know, mm-hmm. and um, I know some people that actually just put up a tutoring rate. They're like, all right, you want tutoring on this shit? It's a hundred dollars mm-hmm. an hour. PayPal mm-hmm. in advance. Go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't have I don't have the bandwidth for that. Bullshit. I don't have the bandwidth for that either. But uh, that one on one shit doesn't scale. <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't. But like, I respect the people that are like, oh, yeah, right, I do. Pay me hundred dollars an hour and we'll have this conversation. Every, everybody has a place to play. Like my audience is not black people because what I realize, and this is what I tell people all the time, I am educating the oppressor while also processing my own oppression. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot. I yeah. cannot do this work in with other marginalized people because now I have to change. Because when I do that, I can go in with classroom management. This is my barriers, my boundaries. This is how we're going to work. Mm-hmm. If I'm working, if I'm working with other oppressed, marginalized individuals, this I have to create a different level of safety, mm-hmm. which is a lot of emotional labor and does not scale. So I leave that to other folks to deal with that. And mm-hmm. I work right on. I work. I'm working on changing the systems and mm-hmm. let other people work on dealing with the individuals. Um, And so it's like, there's a a spaces for many of us to be in here doing this work. And there's so many approaches and, you know, sometimes you'll see people backbiting about like, well, you're not doing the most effective thing. And it's like, okay, well, I'm doing the most effective thing that I can do. 
So you go do the most effective thing that you can do. And then, you know, eventually we'll get there. We were talking earlier though, about like the football players. And would you, would you talk to somebody who's only watched the game and how people will go to those bystanders? Um, And, you know, you see that play out on Twitter too, where I will be explaining or any marginalized person will be explaining something. And then somebody will be like arguing with us and arguing with us. And then any white guy comes in and is like, dude, she's right. You need to listen to her, dude. They're right. You need to listen to them. And then suddenly they're like, Oh, well, thank you. And it's, even if they don't bring in the like, Oh, well you were being rude. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they'll be like, Oh, thank you. Now I understand. And what I want, like, I like bless those allies for coming in and taking those people off our backs and like pulling that conversation out of my mentions. But what I want them to do is that follow up and be like, okay, now you understand. And the next step is I want you to pay attention to the fact that three different women tried to explain this to you and you argued with all of them. And then I explained this to you and you agreed with me and you need to sit with why that is. Okay. So you do it behind the scenes. I do it in front. So when I see that happen, I call it right then. And I tell the person who came in, um, not the asshole, but the person who came in to help. And I bring that to their attention. I was like, so I want you to see what just happened here. We have been having this conversation. You came in and you got to thank you. What are you going to do about that? And that right there is because a lot of times they don't recognize it. And so mm-hmm. again, I can't do a bunch of shit behind the scenes. That's why I don't like people coming into my DMs. That doesn't scale. This shit needs to be out in public. And it yeah. helps them understand, oh shit. So next time when they come in, I need you to word that question or your statement differently so that it includes the people who've already been talked, um, been having this conversation. So you don't come off as the, the de facto expert. Right. And then that also is another example of the insidiousness of assumed good intent, right? Because people that are in that ally position that do that, their experience is, well, I just explain it to them and then they see that they were wrong and they apologize. And so then they're like, oh, well, I should assume good intent in people because when I explain it to them, mm-hmm. they apologize and they don't understand that that's not the experience that other people around them are having. Like they, And that's why I call it out right up. then because that's why I call it out right then because I was like, do you realize that I've been, they've been engaged with me for over an hour. You came in and, and, and they see you as an expert and not me. What is, how are you going to fix that? The fact that you are seeing an expert over me and you're all you're doing is repeating my lived experience because it, again, right. it's not for the individuals, for the whole community to get this information. Right. And you know, the ones that will actually do that and be like, all right, good. Thanks for thanking me. But did you notice what just yep. happened? Like yep. they're actually helping. They're actually doing yep. the work. Like I don't want to discourage people from trying to help, but they also need to notice when their help is perpetuating these patterns. Well, it also goes to why I created, like I said, I created that um, the strategy. You need to evaluate before you engage. Mm-hmm. And, and, scroll up. Just yes, scroll up. Yes. Like, yep. mm-hmm. That's all you exactly. have to do. And I talk about that in yesterday's podcast. Mm -hmm. There's a strategy. Before you hop in, you need to go and see what has already been said. Who said it? Because if you come in and and you speak over a a Black woman or a person with a disability, you're causing a problem. And Mm -hmm. so you don't get off either. So that's one thing I I love about my community. They know that I'm going to call their ass out just like I'm going to call anybody. This is not favoritism. This is not Mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah. And that again is about good intent, right? Because like, if you say something shitty to me and I don't say anything, that is me insulting you, right? That is me saying, I don't trust you to take this feedback or you are not worth the time to me to give you this feedback, right? That is the insult. If I take the time to say, yo, that was really sexist or yo, 
you realize that you said something really ableist there, right? That is me paying you the compliment exactly. of assuming of assuming that you fucked up and want to fix it. Yes, right? exactly. Like that you didn't do that on purpose, right? And that, like, if we're actually assuming good intent in people, then why don't we assume good intent when they're actually it's offering a, that? Exactly, feedback? exactly. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, what would you like to say in your in your closing thoughts? Um. Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It has been a delight being on your show. And thank you so much for all of the hard work you do to educate everybody about these really important issues. Um, you're very welcome. Um, my whole thing is I am trying to move the tech. I am determined to move the tech space um, to a more um, a, a place where we're prioritizing the most vulnerable. It's not about equality for me. It is about looking at the most vulnerable. And once they're safe, just like those code of conducts, once the, mm-hmm. once the most vulnerable feels safe, everybody else feels safe by default. Right. right. It's, you know, that people talk about that rising tide situation, but some rising tides don't lift all boats and yes. some rising tides do. Um, and, you know, I always tell people that are trying to work on gender equality, I was like, all right, focus on black women. Because when black women get equality, everybody else will have equality. Like, our white supremacist world is not going to tolerate a world where black women have equality and white women don't. That's just yes, not, exactly. that's never going to happen. Exactly. 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 So that for, even for me, I look at trans black women, what can mm-hmm. I do um, so that I'm not, or tr- uh, yeah, cause yeah. Cause I would used to say trans trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, but when whiteness comes into the space, trans women do the same thing with white feminism. So I have to be mindful there. Um, but when I'm looking at trans black women who are being slaughtered, when, mm-hmm. when people are like, why are they doing sex work? Who hire, people aren't hiring trans in, um, individuals. And so they have to survive. And so they shouldn't be, and then they're being slaughtered at the hands of, um, 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 toxic masculinity from black men. So that's a whole another thing that we need to address. So yeah, there's always someone um, who has a situation that I can focus my lens on and get out and stop centering myself and put the energy on them. Um, and that includes people with disabilities. Um, um, yeah, I, that's why, like I said, I stopped using all caps. Mm-hmm. I pointed out that someone with, a dis, uh, with dyslexia has a hard time reading it. So yeah, it, it helps me. Yeah, I love doing all caps because it helped me, but emphasize mm-hmm. my point. But I don't want to be exclusionary. So I, um, yeah. um, I, um, yeah. just like we were talking at the beginning of this conversation, I found out that a trans woman who is a, a community sponsor um, has been uh, locked out of t- um, PayPal because they're requiring her to use her dead name. So now, yes, she's one of the um, sponsors. So I could come with an alternative just for her, but I won't. Uh, We're going to have to look for a solution for everybody, an automated solution for everybody that doesn't exclude those individuals from uh, participating fully in the community. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, This is a timely, timely conversation. Um, Thanks so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing you on the web. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCalledTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.